Welcome back everyone, my name is Trust Vivuk, and we have some very, very exciting stuff to get to here today. Many, many developments have occurred within the past week or so, politically speaking, so let's get into some, shall we? So, first things first, we have a new president here in the United States. Joe Biden has been inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States of America, and of course, Biden's inauguration was... Nothing more than a Hollywood horse show. Now, one thing I have to get out of the way. I'm not a very huge fan of large government ceremonies. Large parades for the inauguration. I don't even like the State of the Union address. I don't like this pomp and circumstance thing within the federal government. Because, generally speaking... I think the federal government should stay out of people's lives. I don't think the federal government should really be giving itself props. So, this is all very ridiculous. And of course, Biden and his Hollywood gang have gotten a bunch of celebrities together at his inauguration. Among some of those celebrities include Tom Hanks, Lady Gaga, J-Lo, and Bon Jovi. So, what does this really mean? Well, most of these Hollywood celebrities are Political sellouts, that's what it is. It's a political horse show. And um, Hollywood has managed to perforate our society in on so many levels, especially politically. You know, the last thing I want to see is Hollywood celebrities who literally know nothing about politics live in their Malibu... Beverly Hills mansions telling me about national unity and national healing. It's ridiculous. They should just stick to acting and doing whatever they do. So, Lady Gaga sang the national anthem at Biden's inauguration, so I guess you can sing the national anthem now. I guess that's not controversial or racist or anything like that. And, well, they had the Betsy Ross flag there. Remember how that was racist two years ago. Colin Kaepernick made a big deal about that. Nike never released its Betsy Ross sneakers. So, yeah, I guess that's fine, too, as well. So, all in all, the inauguration, a lot of pomp and circumstance, a huge Hollywood horse show, as it usually is. You know, I'm not a big fan of all of that because, you know, the federal government, as Ben Shapiro said, the federal government, you should treat the federal government like you treat a plumber. It's only there when you need it, and otherwise, get out of my house, right? This whole message of national unity and national healing, you know it's all bullshit, you, you know. This is all just one big political game. And uh, that's going to bring me right into my next topic, and that's that Biden really isn't going to be the healing factor of the United States, right? Biden has sort of, and his administration, have made this huge deal over the past, well, really since about the 6th of January. It wasn't really that long of a developing issue because now this whole Capitol riot thing has got everybody in over their heads. So now what the United States needs is a great unifying factor to bring Republicans and Democrats and everybody here in the United States together. Well, guess what? Newsflash. That's not going to happen. 
right? Republicans aren't somehow going to magically work with Democrats. It's not how this worked. It's not how it's it's not how it worked in history. It's not going to work now. Now with Biden, all right. And I implore Republicans to take a, a, a critical stance on the Democrats throughout these next four years. Take, take take a look at it this way. The executive branch, we have a Democratic president in the executive branch. The House, it's dominated by Democrats. The Senate is now a Democratic majority. Th- those Georgia elections were key, and the Republicans lost it. The Republicans lost ground politically over these past few months. And that's shown it in our public elections. So now the Republicans are at a major disadvantage, right? Much like the Democrats were in 2016. But what did the Democrats do in 2016? Well, the Democrats certainly didn't work with the Trump administration at all. You remember the Russian collusion, which went nowhere. You remember the Ukrainian impeachment, which went nowhere. And this impeachment, the second impeachment, which also went nowhere. So... I implore Republicans to take a critical stance on Democrats throughout these next four years, because this is going to be four interesting years, and that Biden cabinet sure is looking a little funky with some of the people he's got there. I don't really like people that he's got in there, so, or I don't really like the people that he's got in there. So, if the Republicans identify the possible threat that could exist from this Biden administration because, well, Biden has made some pretty extraordinary claims over the past few months. He's flipped his fracking position a million times, so God knows what's going to happen to American, our American oil industry. I mean, we were self-sufficient. Uh, we were energy, uh, what do you call it, energy independent during the Trump administration, so God knows where that's going to go. Uh, and, well, Biden has flipped his position and so many other different issues. So God knows where this administration is going to go. So if Republicans identify the possible, you know, extreme left position that the Biden administration could come in, because there's some shady figures there, even his own vice president, Kamala Harris, a corrupt cop. I mean, this can go anywhere, really. So if Republicans really want to take a stance against the far left, which could come through the Biden administration, because like I've said before, Biden isn't really the major threat. Biden is harmless. It's the people he's got around him, his entourage, which could be harmful. Biden, like I uh, mentioned with the uh, fracking thing, he's you know he's flipped his position many times. He's flipped his position many times regarding police. He said he's going to come after the National Rifle Association. So if you're a gun owner, you're a supporter of the Second Amendment, you should be fearful of the Biden administration and some of the people he's got around him because God knows what's going to happen to your firearms within the next four years. So this should be an interesting four years. And uh, hopefully Republicans will take a stance. I mean, after all... Republicans should provide about the same level of respect to the Biden administration as the Democrats have to the Trump administration. I mean, you remember uh, the State of the Union address? Nancy Pelosi ripped up a speech. I mean, should Republicans stoop to that level? Well, now that's another question, but 
maybe that's too extreme of an example, but still, Republicans need to wake up. They need to realize that conservatism in the United States is at a threat currently, and Republicans need to rally, and especially in the 2024 election, because if Biden gets elected to a second term, God forbid, at 82 years old, we're really going to have a problem. And people are going to take way more advantage of Biden when he's 82 than now. So he'll be an old, harmless, he'll be an old helpless man. So Republicans really need to figure out their political position within these next four years, rally, take a stance against the Biden administration, and really come out on top in the 2024 presidential election. We really also need to start securing Senate seats and House seats within the these next uh, few years of uh, federal elections. So, well, that'll bring us to our uh, next topic, which is the Trump impeachment, which I briefly mentioned earlier. So, where did the Trump impeachment go? Nowhere. Basically nowhere. It was all just a political show, like I said before. It's not going to go anywhere because Trump literally had less than two weeks left in office when this whole impeachment thing was rolling. It was just a waste of time. It was just... The motives behind it were simply and purely political, and that's how it turned out. So now Trump has left office. You know, thank you. God bless him. I heard he's in Florida, probably playing golf. Good on him. So, impeachment went absolutely nowhere. So, whether or not the Republicans are going to be as, as as critical as the Democrats were throughout these next four years, whether the Republicans will, you know, bring up articles of impeachment, whether that'll happen or not, that, you know, remains an open question. We also have simp- also forgotten about the... Uh, Hunter investigation by the FBI. Hopefully, that'll turn up some kind of dirt. And if not, then well, so be it. But um, I guess the media has completely forgotten about that since it happened. So that should make for another interesting story if it is somehow uh, resurfaced within the next uh, few months. And uh, so that's the state of the United States quite currently. Now, what does this mean for... Former President Trump, well, he said he's going to run again in 2024. Like I said, I highly doubt that he's going to do that. You know, I he'll be 78 years old, and he's pretty much lost political ground, even with his own party. If I was President uh, Trump, I wouldn't get involved with politics again. It's just, it's, you know, his own party it didn't even support him, so... Politics is really a a complicated game. You know, Trump came in with guns a-blazing all over the place. You know, he wasn't just concentrating his efforts on attacking the Democrats. He was pretty much attacking everyone, even Republicans. So, understandable as to why many Republicans don't like him, and he's kind of ostracized even in the the Republican Party. And that's, of course, not... um, with all Republicans, I you know I myself support the president, 
and I'm sure that many other Republicans support the president, but you could understand how with some more moderate Republicans that he might have lost some ground with. So he's likely not even going to be nominated in 2024. I can't possibly even see him being nominated in 2024. So hopefully we can rally behind some new candidate within these next four years. These Because like I said, these next four years are going to be absolutely instrumental for the Republican Party to sort of rally because the Democrats have a foothold across the entire country. And that's completely evident. The Democrats not only have perforated themselves throughout our government, they've perforated themselves uh, throughout all of our institutions, the mainstream media, Hollywood, the music industry, even our own educational system. So this is... Of course, a major problem, and Republicans really need to figure something out here. They really need to need to pull the rabbit out of the hat these next four years if they really want to maintain themselves as a political party, really. Because, you know, if Republicans are going to keep conceding and conceding to the Democrats and quote-unquote working with the Democrats, which we all know that's probably not going to happen... And then say bye-bye to the existence of the Republican Party. And the Republican Party is pretty much the major force of conservatism across the United States. So the Republican Party is an embodiment of conservatism. And if we want conservatism to exist within the United States, we have to concentrate our... Well, Republicans have to concentrate uh, their efforts in um, sort of restoring a political balance or uh, regaining dominance. Um and in the unlikely scenario that the Republicans slowly begin conceding to the Democrats, what do we do here in the United States? What do normal citizens do to the United States? Because our politicians would have practically been sellouts at that point. What do we do if the Republicans lose lose the 2024 election? What if we lose ground completely? What if the Supreme Court, because Republicans pretty much only have a hold in the Supreme Court? What if we even lose dominance of the Supreme Court? What do conservatives do across the United States? And you know what? I encourage people in that scenario, in four years, you probably won't remember anything I say now, but in four years, I encourage all re- former Republicans or, or conservatives, and yeah, I think the broader term would be conservatives, and the best term to use would be conservatives, in the next four years is to join some kind of conservative third party out there. Uh, you know, I don't know any great examples of uh, conservative or successful conservative third parties. Obviously, there's uh, successful third parties, but... As, not all of them are necessarily conservative, uh, such as uh, libertarians, which are their own breed politically. And, uh, well, I, I can't really even think of another uh, successful third party. I guess uh, the Green Party, <laughs> which is um, an interesting party itself. So in the next four years, if the Republican, far- the, party, the Republican Party sort of stoops to the level stoops to the democratic level to the level of the democrats rather then i encourage conservatives across the united states to rally behind some kind of third party that embodies the values and elements of conservatism and the republican party so either i predict two scenarios within the first uh, within these four years 
up until 2024. Either the Republicans can sort of rally and figure their whole position out because I guess this was sort of a wake-up call for Republicans around the country that they're not invulnerable. You know, the days of the days of Donald Trump as president are gone. You know, the days of a Senate majority and a House majority, they're gone too. You know, Republicans have completely lost ground. So Republicans also, they need to figure out what to do. And if something does happen uh, that ruins the reputation of the Democratic Party within the next four years, uh, I'm sure Republicans will gain an advantage in 2024. But you see, that's going to be... Uh, difficult to accomplish because so much of the dissemination of information and so many of the quote-unquote arbiters of truth here in the United States, uh, they're, you know, liberal-led institutions. Our mainstream media, which is dominated by like six major corporations, that's, you know, that's not independent journalism. That's not independent media. Our Hollywood, our, our film industry, uh, that's completely gone to shit within the past four, I mean, not, not even the past four years. I, Hollywood has been a disaster since the 1960s and 70s, I'd say. This is all, it's ridiculous how far liberals have managed to seep into American culture and American society, and slowly and but surely, liberalism is becoming American culture. And that's sort of just like how communism rose to power. Communism related to the people by perforating itself into culture. Communism, sort you know, communist statues were being built, communist art, communist films, all of that. That all this, these cultural elements were being dominated by core communist principles, and you can see this in you know some extreme examples like North Korea, and uh, even in less extreme examples such as the Soviet Union. If you look at Soviet history, you can see that. Um, there was a lot of Soviet art and media that was dedicated to promoting communism. And now that the liberals and the Democrats have sort of seeped themselves into American culture, American media, and basically how information spreads across the United States, we can be put at a major disadvantage here. And Republicans are currently going to be fighting an uphill battle to try to fight those Democratic-led institutions. And this also brings me to my next point, and that's that we need to preserve our Republican-controlled institutions. Well, what Republican-controlled institutions, you might ask? Well, things such as the National Rifle Association. You know, you might not necessarily agree with what the National Rifle Association says all the time. Sometimes they make excuses, like they blame uh, gun violence on video games a lot, which is, there is no evidence to support that. So, but the National Rifle Association is the pretty much the last organized stance against the Second Amendment, right? Or not against the Second Amendment, for the Second Amendment, right? You know, and Biden and his entourage of cronies, they're going to come after the National Rifle Association. They already said they're coming after the National Rifle Association, and subsequently they're going to, that's also going after the Second Amendment. We need to 
preserve our Republican institutions, which also preserve some of our fundamental core conservative principles, such as the Second Amendment. We should also support you know, religion if you're a religious person, if you're a faithful person. You know, liberalism isn't exactly the most moral or religiously principled uh, side of the uh, ooh, side of the political aisle. So we need to support our religious institutions, which also support, you know, the whole pro-life movement, which is another core conservative principle. We need to support the pro, an organized pro-life movement, and sort these sort of institutions, these movements, which can take a stand to protect conservative principles, which will ultimately protect conservatism. And slowly, we can, you know, begin playing this political game, this political. 3D chess to regain our hold within the federal government. And this is going to be four years of hard work and four years of dedication that the Republicans really need to unify against. You know, forget unity between the Democrats and the Republicans. National unity will never be achieved within the United States, especially with our bipartisan system, right? It's not going to happen. It's not, it hasn't happened. It didn't happen before this, since the creation of political parties in the United States. You had our first party system between the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans, and they were divided. And, you know, when did they ever work on core issues, right? And we had the Whig Party and the Democratic Party, and finally we had the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And I can't remember any time national unity has been brought about in the United States except for when a national crisis occurs. There was unity in, for, say, 9-11. There was unity in in uh, World War II. And there was unity in World War One even. But other than that, I have yet to see this sort of even in the Great Depression, there was there was more unity there, even though it was a, that unity was mostly a Democratic uh, dominance. But uh, unity hasn't occurred except for when a national crisis occurred. And the Capitol Hill riots, I mean, what happened there was extremely bad. What happened there was extremely criminal. But was it a, nas a horrific national crisis? No, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say Usually, national unity is brought about when a foreign threat sort of threatens the hegemony here in the United States, our internal affairs. So, forget national unity throughout these next four years because that's likely not going to happen. That's not going to be a feasible goal within the next four years. Republicans should focus on unifying the party, which is kind of slowly becoming more and more disorganized as I look. I mean, we clearly didn't we didn't pull through in the 2020 election. We didn't pull in through the Georgia runoffs. We Republicans need to unify on a single political platform. They need to figure out what they're going to do for the American people and for conservatism. We need Republicans to unify because Republicans are the last major stance of conservatism, like I said. And if, well, things don't work out with the Republican Party, we need to start looking to some other form of organized conservatism here in the United States. Because if we do lose cons conservatism here in the United States, what, what's going to happen with this country? Well, it's going to be a one-party state. It's going to be led by the, these liberals who 
aren't even liberals anymore. Can I even call them liberals, to be fair? Half of them are socialists behind a veil of, uh, quote-unquote, the Democratic Party. Remember, the Democratic Party is not what it used to be, you know, 50 years ago. And even then, the Democratic Party was awful. I mean, segregation, all of this, the solid South was Democratic, and they supported segregation and Jim Crow. So the Democratic Party has pretty much been awful throughout all of American history. So we really need to focus on fighting the political game. I mean, our national unity is not going to happen. And if it's going to happen, it's going to be a very fickle, fickle, fickle thing. And we really need to rally. And, and it doesn't have to even be behind Trump, but it's got to be against some candidate. And, and, and that candidate has got to propagate this, this certain conservative platform to the people of the United States, mar market it in such a way where it's appealing to the American people. You see, the liberals have managed to achieve that because they have perforated into the American culture through the things that I have stated earlier. So Republicans need to find a way to slowly chip their way into the mainstream because Republicans are looking more and more disenfranchised with the common American. As I see it, we're sort of lagging behind in many different aspects. So Republicans need to find a candidate that, that they think can lead the really lead the Republican Party and push conservatism on a, on a mainstream platform. You know, we, we can't have, you know, no Mitt Romney's or John McCain's. You know, forget that. They were weak Republican candidates, weak political candidates that stood pretty much no chance against the Democrats who found Obama, who was a more, a more of capable of pushing this mainstream democratic platform and also because he was african-american that was a huge uh factor there with the democrats so these are going to be four instrumental years where the republicans uh, have to f have to really fight this uphill battle they got to do a lot of things like i've stated throughout the past 26 minutes or so you know they got to find a way to enter the uh, enter the American mainstream culture and push conservatism and sort of figure out what to do in their own party. And if that fails, well, say goodbye to conservatism unless we can find an alternative. So we really have to see where this goes. And, and of course, we also have to see where this Biden administration goes. Uh, I mean... For all I know, this Biden administration could be pretty moderately democratic. I mean, I don't think it will be moderately democratic, but for all I know, I could be wrong. I, you know, so this Biden administration could leave a little to no damage to, you know, American culture and the American lifestyle and our American dynamic of life. You know, it could, there could be little to no damage. You know, they could take a more moderate position. But if they take a more extreme position, like I think they will, especially with their climate change policies, their uh, racial inequities and inequality policies that they are, that they really want to push, all of these plans that they have uh, sort of hint to this, you know, social, you know, kind of this, I don't even know what I would even uh, refer to it as, the socially democratic um, policies that the left is pushing, you know, 
these policies don't really echo moder moderation. They sort of echo this extremism, which um, brings me to my next point, which is a great point of uh, irony. So Biden, during his inaugural address, may uh, took a stance against political extremism. Now, who is Biden necessarily referring to when he says political extremists? Well, this is, of course, in reference to the Capitol Hill riots, which occurred on January uh, 6th or 7th. I think it was on the 7th. Yes, it was on the 7th. And um, so, but this term extreme extremist is tossed around a lot. It's especially tossed around by the left because the left has their own sort of woke vocabulary that they just love to apply to everything uh, and i mean everything they term most of you listening probably can identify an example of this somehow in your life they toss the term racism and, and bigot and, and around and, and of course they're tossing the term extremists uh, and when they toss the term extremists around they, they usually use the term in a loose manner. They're, you know, they're not referring to extreme hardcore nationalist fascists, which don't even have a mainstream representation in American culture, at least not anymore. Maybe that would have been different, you know, in the 1930s or something during the during the days of the Silver Legion here in the United States with uh, William Dudley Pelly. But nowadays... I would I wouldn't really say that that really is the case that you know nationalist fa fascists really are within the mainstream of uh, American culture and politics could anyone listening identify any examples can you think about it so what could the democrats possibly be referring to when they say ah uh, extremists extremist political extremists so of course they mean dis bunch of disenfranchised republicans the capitol hill rioters and all of the above now what the capitol hill rioters did was wrong what they did was criminal and they should be punished for what they did it was criminal after all it was an insurrection very silly insurrection that failed i'm not really sure what they were trying to accomplish did they think they suddenly were going to change the electoral outcome no uh so now this term extremist is being applied not only even to the Capitol Hill rioters, which did something wrong, and I as a Republican acknowledge that what they did was wrong, but they throw this extremist to people who have quote-unquote incited violence, Republican politicians who have incited violence. And Donald Trump has been touted as an extremist, I don't think Donald Trump is an extremist. I don't think anyone with an IQ of over 60 thinks that Donald Trump is this extreme fascist. He has not employed any fascistic, nationalistic aspects into the federal government at all. I remember in 2016, everybody was touting that Trump was going to be this, this dictator. He's going to start World War Three. It's going to be awful, and I think anybody who said that or thought that really has no knowledge of how the federal government of the United States works, because the Founding Fathers, who were quite intelligent, decided to put checks and balances against that. So, this word extremist is of course being touted against 
disenfranchised Republicans who aren't really satisfied with the results of the uh, 2020 election. And, uh, I mean, really, how could you blame them? They think the election was stolen from them, just like the Democrats thought that their election was stolen in 2016. We're just kind of seeing this slow, uh, cyclic repetition. But do I think that, you know mainstream Republican politicians that maybe were a little sympathetic towards the Trump cause are extremists? Certainly not, and I think anybody who thinks that is simply out of their mind. I don't think Ted Cruz or Mitch McConnell or or any of those guys really are extremists, to be quite fair. I mean, it's all ridiculous. This word is just another part of the liberal woke vocabulary. And, oh, they have a lot of vocabulary. Bigot, transphobic, homophobic, all all of these interesting terms they like to apply to everything. But, uh, you, know, you know, we have to be very clear with our definitions. When I say extremism, you know, extremism refers to extreme policies on each respective political wing. And when I look at the left wing, right, you see some interesting policies there. Yeah, you, you really do. You see some, you know, some, okay, are more moderate policies, such as different tax plans. Okay, you want to raise taxes to fund, uh, to for greater public educational funding. Okay, okay, that's a, that's a more mainstream democratic uh, platform. That's a, you know, that's more mainstream than, say, taking everyone's guns away. I think that would be an ex- extremist stance. So when I use that term, you know, and I think when other Republicans use that term, you know, I don't think they're calling all Democratic politicians extremists, much like how Democrats call all Republicans extremists and anyone who voted for Trump extremists. You know, when we, tr- when I try, at least, to refer to, you know, radical extremists, liberals, or not even liberals, because they aren't really even liberals, leftists, extremist leftists, you know, you got to take a look at the policies behind that, the rhetoric behind that, uh, which, you know, could influences my decision making and to call them extremists, if that made any sense. And so the Democrats instead, what they do, they don't, you know, actually look for any Republican politician who might have one maybe a little farther right-leaning uh, policy or viewpoint or standpoint. Instead, they take the term extremist and apply it either to mainstream... Oh, yeah, they apply it to mainstream Republican ideals and mainstream Republican politicians. And, you know, one of the main Republican platforms of the past few months was the whole election fraud thing, which isn't really true it's so but it's been position of many republicans and a lot of mainstream republican politicians and so the term because the republicans have maybe wanted to challenge the election results which is okay anybody is allowed to challenge election results this is a democracy and you know we can go through a fair process fair we have a great judicial system well somewhat great judicial system in the United States here, uh, you know, a fair trial and fair hearings to discuss the integrity of, of our elections is okay. I don't think that that's an extremist principle. 
You know, I don't think any Republican, like, can say the, you know, not, not even the construction of, of a border wall, but say the funding of um, our immigration police, the funding of the military, you know, the the loosening of our gun restrictions. I, I don't necessarily think that any of those are extremist platforms on the Republican side, and I don't necessarily think that, you know, certain tax plans that the Democrats have laid out or, or you know, certain other aspects of the Democratic Party are necessarily extremists. And I can't really find any, you know, fascistic or, or nationalistic examples within the Republican Party, or at least the mainstream Republican Party. But when I take a look at the mainstream Democratic Party, I mean, we got people like Bernie Sanders up in there. And Bernie Sanders is one interesting guy in his own right, probably for all the wrong reasons. But I just find it interesting how Biden sort of touts this word extremism, which he used it in a very vague manner, but we all know what it's referring to. It's it's kind of this umbrella term of all, for anyone who disagrees with me, you're, you're an extremist, right? And which is kind of ironic considering the Democratic Party has taken some pretty extreme measures to uh, limit, you know, some of our fundamental aspects of American society. The president, of, well, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, didn't have an outlet to speak, you know. And, and as much as you may not like his tweets, the man should have an outlet to say whatever he wants. Just like I think Joe Biden should have an outlet to speak on. You know, I, I don't think he should be removed off of Twitter if maybe he said was incorrect or if he ever decided to quote unquote incite violence, which, by the way, Trump did not incite violence at all. His statements were primarily misconstrued. I discussed this earlier. But I just think that the term extremist is just thrown around too vaguely. And, and then again, how am I surprised the Republicans, or the Democrats rather, not the Republicans, have been using this woke, woke vocabulary uh, for uh, many, many years. And sooner or later, the term extremist is going to be his definition is going to be diluted. You know, we're we're soon going to start stop referring to actual extremists as extremists and just anybody who I disagree with as an extremist. That's very harmful to the political dynamic that we have here in the United States. You know, we have a bipartisan a bipartisan system, and if you somehow manage to alienate about 50% of the American populace, well, now you have a problem. If you continue touting this idea that all Republicans are somehow extremists, you're going to be alien alienating how many people voted for Trump? 75 million people? You're already doing it. I mean, so much for national unity when you're alienating half of the American populace for supporting a different political candidate. And, and that's just for supporting a different political candidate. Are there some Republicans that probably, you know, non-mainstream Republicans that, you know, tout maybe more farther right-leaning viewpoints. Yes, there definitely are, just like there's hardline communists out there that want to completely topple the American system of capitalism and whatever. And, 
we need to apply that. If we're going to apply that term extremist, we have to apply it properly or else we're going to get this this whole muddled uh, idea of what extremism really is, uh, you know. And, and like I said, since the Democratic Party has perforated so many levels of the American culture and the American media, they can now push this idea that, oh, all Republicans are now extremists, yada, 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 yada. And that's hurtful to our American dynamic of bipartisanism, or bipartisanship, rather. So that's a very large issue that we really have to work to fight. And like I said, Republicans really have to rally against what the Democrats are touting. And if the Democrats are touting that Republicans are extremists, well, Republicans better hit back and they better hit back harder because this is going to be, with that platform the Democrats have achieved, the Democrats are really going to, to grind into the Republicans, are really going to try to stomp them into the ground, really going to try to wipe them out of existence within these next four years. And it's really going to sting when Republicans realize that they have nothing left if they get to that point. So... That's the state of the country that we're in currently, and um, I want to talk about uh, two more things. And one thing I want to talk about is uh, Biden's plan for racial uh, justice, racial inequalities and inequities. Remember, inequality and inequity mean two different things, and this is a common, commonly confused by uh, the left. But Biden, uh, and during his inaugura- inauguration speech stated that uh, this is going to be a monumental day uh, of racial justice of which was 400 years in the making. Mind you that any legal discrimination against African Americans and other people of color was pretty much ended in 1965 with the passage of the Civil Rights Act. Okay? Any legal discrimination, any public discrimination, right? Because private companies, they, they, they can't even discriminate uh, you know, based on color or anything like that, even though they're technically private, uh, you know, entities separate from the federal government, they are, you know, the policies of um, this, of, uh, you know, civil rights is applied even even to our private institutions like our, you know, companies and, and such. So you could, you know, there were no segregated facilities in the United States. There was no public or, or legal or any kind of discrimination along those lines since the 1960s, since the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1965. You you can even argue that, you know, there was still this, you know, kind of divided racial sentiment that existed well through about the 70s. And, you know, some might, you know, agree with you. Some might not. And, you know, but legally speaking, Discrimin, you know, public discrimination, segregation, Jim Crow laws—all of that was made illegal in the 1960s. That was nearly two generations ago, two generations. So, what what racial justice is Biden talking about? What kind of policy does he plan on implementing that's somehow going to magically solve the quote-unquote problem that we have with racial justice here in the United States? Listen. I don't see any sort of legal examples 
of, of racial injustices and or, or inequalities that exist within the United States. Listen, I'm part of the lower middle class. I know, you know, many black people who are who go to the same school as I do, who have probably even better of a financial situation than I do. Does that somehow mean that they are more, you know, unequal than I am, that I'm white or that you're white or that you have to be chastised for it? No. So what what does he really mean when he says racial justice? There hasn't been any racial dis- discrimination since about the 1960s, I think the United States has done a good job sort of pushing the idea that, you know, it, blacks and whites, that together is okay. And we've done a very good job of pushing that idea uh, since about the late 60s, you know. And even earlier than that, when, you know, schools were desegregated or in Brown versus Board of Education, even earlier than that, we were this idea was beginning to brew. And... It was beginning to sort of settle throughout American culture. And, and now look at how much black media we consume nowadays. I mean, hip-hop is an African-American uh, musical genre. I mean, African-Americans are in so many of our video games and movies and sports. And, and this, I don't really see uh, the racial injustices. And of course, all the people talking about racial injustice are a bunch of either entitled white liberals or very and extremely wealthy black people who are speaking for everybody. And I really, really dislike it when white people and white liberals and, you know, speak for other people. And that goes for any race of black people speaking for white people or Asian people speaking for black people. You know, we don't want any of that. Speak for yourselves. You know, speak on the behalf of yourself. So now we're also what we're noticing in the United States is we're the United States is slowly being is slowly playing into this idea of racial politics, you know, especially uh, with that um, racial justice statement by Biden, you know, instead of, you know, moving past uh, these uh, ideas, these outdated ideas of racial divisions, you know, which we thought were behind us, somehow they have magically resurfaced within, you know, the past few years they've somehow magically been resurfaced that somehow the united states is a is a country of extreme hatred and extreme racism and and now we're slowly being played back into these racial politics that existed back in the 1960s and who's bringing us back to that none other than the democrats and that's none other that's no more than an extremist policy and an extremist stance on racial politics. And we have to always look at everything through a racial lens here in the United States. We cannot cooperate simply as Americans. We have to cooperate as whites and blacks. We can't cooperate as Americans. I thought what made America special was this idea of a melting pot. Clearly, now, now we're making numerous amounts of divisions between Everybody, everybody's divided, right? And this this racial justice thing is simply a load of 
nothing. Nothing is going to happen regarding racial. There's not going to be another magical civil rights act that they're going to pull out of their pocket that's somehow going to ma- solve personal racism in the United States because pers- racism on a personal level, on an individual by individual basis, will always exist. You will never be able to eradicate that. Just like you will never be able to eradicate Nazism on a uh, individual level in Germany. You're not going to be able to eradicate communism on an individual level in the former Soviet Union or anything along those lines. You simply can't do that. You can't solve that. That's not going to be something you can just magically solve by pulling pulling a rabbit out of the hat. It's not going to happen. Whatever this is, it's a whole lot of nothing. And what this will definitely make for four interesting four interesting years i'm definitely going to be looking throughout these four years to see if biden is going to or his administration or his new congress is definitely going to, is going to pull off some sort of uh, racial justice something I, I don't know what it is at this point but anyways for our final topic that i want to discuss today and that's the future of the media in the united states now that biden has been elected president of the united states Trump is out of office, right? He's gone. He's in Florida having a blast. And so what? what's the media going to do now? Now that they don't have Trump to absolutely just stab with the, with their in with their knives, you know, what are they going to do now? What's 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 going to keep the media busy throughout the next 4 years now that the Republicans have lost a major stronghold within pretty much all of the United States? What is the media going to do? I'll tell you exactly what the media is going to do. They're going to tout the Biden administration as, you know, this the savior of of the United States of America. That this is the unifying factor, that this is the healing factor of the United States. And that's simply not going to happen. It, it, Republicans aren't obligated to make that happen. Of course, nobody's obligated to make that happen because politics is a game. So like I stated before, what this whole idea that's going to be pushed through the media is going to be subsequently pushed by the left because the left is the media. The left are so many of our nation's institutions, including the media. It's going to be in four years of just kneeling and, and, and just worship to the Biden administration, just people need to the american people need to start waking up to this that what they're being fed is just a political agenda it's just rhetoric it's just it's just an agenda that they have they're going to be spoon-fed this uh, for four years watching cnn and and even fox i fuck fox they're going to be spoon-fed this idea and and you know people will continue to buy into that notion and that's harmful, continually harmful to our dynamic. It's practically brainwashing because some mainstream media outlets have, you know, stated, okay, we're politically biased. MSNBC, okay, yeah, we're, we're a democratic media company. We're a democratic media news outlet. Fox News, we're a Republican media outlet. Newsmax, better example. Fox News is, is a muddled, heaping pile of trash at this point. And but you know you get you, then you get your news outlets like CNN, which you know tout themselves as the arbiters of truth, fair journalism, and, and you get all CBS and ABC, DEFG, all these different media 
companies that tout themselves as the arbiters of truth and and they're simply going to keep pushing you this liberal rhetoric and people need to wake up and that's why i say you seek alternative media podcasting is simply the future you know whether you are a liberal whether you are a conservative you can find a good you can find a good centrist viewpoint you can find a good liberal viewpoint and you can find a good conservative viewpoint on alternative media throughout podcasting so i encourage people to wake up see what what they're saying is brainwashing practically that these companies are promoting themselves as the arbiters of truth but what they're really doing is feeding you politically motivated statements really and it's going to be politically motivated Uh, all you got to do is take a look at it through an objective lens really think about it when you're watching the news next time and really see what exactly is it that they're saying does this align more with this fair non-opinionated centrist view of journalism or does this align with the more Republican or right-wing leaning or a more democratic and left-wing left-wing leaning viewpoint and then see if that media outlet is of course do they tout themselves as the arbiters of truth or do they tout themselves as you know a Republican station or a democratic station but it, you know if they do tout themselves as a station that promotes free journalism, free, independent, good old-fashioned journalism, and what what you really see is that they're spoon-feeding you some kind of politically motivated messages, some kind of subliminal political messages, you should take a stand against that. You should stop watching it. You know, maybe one person canceling their cable subscription isn't really going to do much, but once more and more people start seeing this, you're really going to create a wave of something interesting that could happen uh with the mainstream media and maybe the democrats will begin losing their ground in uh, their um in our culture in and in our media so this should make for an interesting four years and uh these are some of the actions i believe that uh republicans and uh not even republicans even centrists could take uh to really figure out uh their position so Wow, 53 minutes and 30 seconds in, and uh, I think we're going to wrap things up here. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. My name is Ross Dubuque, and you're listening to The TV Report. Thanks for listening, guys. See you in the next one.